following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. We're carrying on this series this morning on the miracles of Jesus. And looking at this passage this morning in John chapter 11 on the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and I feel like this is so appropriate this morning that we're looking at this passage in view of Andy's passing away. I'd already planned to, to speak on this particular miracle. It was already part of the schedule. And I think God's just had his hand on this. And, and this particular passage is just so significant and so special, I think, in view of the week that's been. So John chapter 11 uh, and, and the story that we're looking at today is quite a long story. It, it really stretches the whole chapter of John 11. And I would encourage you to read this in your own time. There's so much detail in this story and, and so much nuance. It's great to be able to just work your way through it. But I will uh, just walk you through the story and highlight particular verses from this passage as we go along. And so the story revolves around this guy named Lazarus. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. Uh, in fact, in this, in this passage, he's described as being someone that Jesus loves. Uh, and that's a pretty significant thing to have said about you, that you are someone Jesus loves. Jesus was obviously very close to Lazarus, had a lot of time for him. And uh, Jesus had a close friendship not only with Lazarus, but also, also with Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus lived with his two sisters in a village called Bethany which was not too far from Jerusalem. So Lazarus becomes ill and his sickness deteriorates and it's looking like that this sickness might take his life. It's looking like it might end in death. And so Lazarus's sisters send word to Jesus uh, to come and see him because he's sick. And, and they, I'm sure, were hoping that Jesus could do something about this, that Jesus had the, the power to heal and they were hoping that he would be able to turn this situation around. And so they, they send word to Jesus. And, and when Jesus receives the message about Lazarus being sick, his initial reaction is a little bit confusing. Uh, have a look in uh, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That seems like a bit bit of a strange thing. You know, you, you would think that because Jesus loved Lazarus so much, he would drop what he was doing and go and see him immediately. But we have this delay. Jesus stayed put for a couple of days before going. So why is this? Well, it's probably likely that the reason Jesus delayed his trip is because within Jewish tradition, it was believed that when a person died, the spirit of that person would remain near the body for three days. And then after the third day, their spirit would finally depart. And, and beyond that time, then they were really believed to be fully and, and finally dead. And when Jesus eventually gets to the tomb of Lazarus, it's been four days since Lazarus passes away. And so I think that Jesus knew he wanted this miracle of raising Lazarus to happen when it was absolutely certain that this could only happen by the power of God, when there would be no mistaking this for any other sort of natural or superstitious kind of event, but this would only be 
by the dramatic intervention of the hand of God. So he waits the full four days, um, by which time it would have truly been believed that Lazarus was well and truly dead, and his spirit had departed him. So Jesus finally then decides to go from where he is in a different part of Israel to visit Lazarus, and he takes his disciples with him. And as he comes to the town of Bethany, as he approaches Bethany, uh, Martha comes out first to meet Jesus. And she kind of gives him a little bit of a telling off, a bit of a scolding, and says, if you'd, if you'd been here, then he wouldn't have died. You would have been able to heal him. And, and Jesus says to her, Lazarus is going to rise again. And, and Martha reflects on that and says, well, yes, I know he's going to rise again. He's going to rise again at the last day. And she, she's kind of thinking of this future resurrection when, when all faithful Israelites are believed to rise again. But then Jesus makes this dramatic statement in verse 25. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's such a powerful verse. I read that verse this last week at Andy's bedside, minutes after he'd passed away. And such an incredible statement of Jesus' power over life and death. He is the one who holds resurrection life in his hands. And Jesus is saying to Mary, that future resurrection that you're looking to, Mary, uh, Martha, that day is here now. That resurrection is here now. Jesus embodies that resurrection in the present, in this moment. And we're going to see the full meaning of that as the story goes on. And so Martha then goes and gets Mary. And Mary comes out and meets Jesus. And she kind of gives him a little bit of a scolding as well and says, you know, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus asks to be taken to the tomb where Lazarus is. And there's a couple of interesting things that happen on the way to the tomb as Jesus is approaching the tomb. One of them is in verse 35. You have the shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. And it's, it's interesting just to sit with that for a minute, isn't it? Jesus wept. It, it seems kind of strange to think about because Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So why is he weeping? What's, what's he got to be sad about if he knew he's about to do this miracle? And I think it reminds us that Jesus is still human. That Jesus was truly a, a, a human being, fully God, yes, but also fully human. And he felt the grief. He, he felt the loss. He felt the sting of death over losing a friend, tragically. And that is an incredible comfort to us in this life. It, it should be an encouragement to those of you that are grieving over the loss of a loved one right now. It's an encouragement to Colin and Lynn and Anna as they, as they grieve Andy's passing. It's an encouragement to those of you that, that have a loved one who is close to passing away to know that Jesus, our Savior, the one whom we call Lord, has wept with grief. It's an amazing thing. Like He knows what it's like. When we, when we grieve, when we weep, Jesus can come alongside us and he can say, me too. I've, I've been there. I, I know what that's like. I know that feeling. I have, I have wept over the passing of a close, close friend. Jesus knows it. And to have our God be able to empathize with us that deeply is a profound and deeply encouraging thing. So I hope that's an encouragement to you. Jesus then continues towards the tomb of Lazarus. 
And as he approaches the tomb, have a look at verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Now that, that phrase, deeply moved, it's just one word in Greek. And it, it, it's a little bit different to just simple grief or compassion. The idea of being deeply moved, it has this sense of, of a groaning of indignation. There's, there's a sense of anger about this word, a, a sense of, of almost hostility in there, that Jesus felt this righteous anger. And, and I think what he is feeling in this moment is an anger at death itself. If you can picture this, you've got Jesus, the author of life, standing at the tomb, and he is confronting the, the great enemy of God, death itself. If you think of death like an enemy. And it's sort of like this standoff between Jesus and death. And I think in this moment, Jesus is feeling this indignation at death itself and the damage that it's caused to this family and the damage that, that death has caused to all of humanity. Jesus sees the whole story. And maybe he's thinking about the way that death has been an intruder into God's story right from the very beginning, right from the Garden of Eden, that death was not part of the world that God created. It was never part of God's original plan. It's an aberration of God's goodness. It's an aberration of God's plan. And it's, it's crept into the story and it has wreaked havoc on God's good world. And it's damaged God's people and God's purposes for humanity and for creation. Death is a thief. It steals away people that we love. It steals away people that we are close to. And it leaves this big gaping hole, this void in our life. I think Jesus is angry at death. He's angry at the way that it's, it's a thief and a robber. And the way the world itself is held in the clutches of death at this moment. And, and there's this sense of a deep groaning that Jesus has. It's kind of like he, he joins his, his own groaning to the groaning of all creation, crying out for its liberation, crying out for its, its freedom from this curse of death that's come upon humanity. I, I think you can picture the anguish that we all feel over death, all being concentrated in this deep groaning that Jesus utters at the tomb of Lazarus. And so there's Jesus standing before the tomb, and he then says, take away the stone. And Martha's not too sure about that. She says, are you, are you sure, Jesus? Like he's been in there four days. There's going to be a bit of an odor. But Jesus insists. And so they roll away the stone. And then out walks Lazarus. This man, still all wrapped in his grave clothes, still with this head wrapping on the way that they used to, to wrap dead bodies. And he still had all of those grave. I mean, he must have looked like a zombie walking out of the tomb there. But they take off, they unwrap these grave clothes, and sure enough, this is Lazarus. This is their brother. This is Jesus' friend. What a moment for Mary and Martha. What a moment for Lazarus himself being brought back from death to life and, and being given this new life on earth. Uh, it is an absolutely stunning miracle. It, it's, it's one of the most dramatic miracles that Jesus performs in all of the Gospels. But the real significance of this miracle is not just what happens to Lazarus. It's what this miracle points towards. And what this miracle points us to is another incredible event that was going to happen about a week later, about a week after this, because it was only from this point, only a few days until Jesus himself was going to be arrested and then tortured 
and eventually executed on a Roman cross. And then just like Lazarus' body was placed in the tomb, Jesus' body was placed in a tomb. And just like there was a stone rolled across the tomb of Lazarus, there was a stone rolled across Jesus' tomb. And then on the third day, just as that stone was rolled away from Lazarus's tomb, the stone was rolled away from the tomb of Jesus. Except in Jesus' case, the stone wasn't rolled away by any human hand. It was rolled away purely by the power of God. And as Lazarus walked out of the grave that day, Jesus himself walked out of the grave. He walked out of the tomb. And the resurrection of Jesus is infinitely greater than the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus was was one man who was raised to life. That's incredible. But when Jesus was raised to life, he defeated the power of death. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he defeated the evil one. He defeated Satan himself. He broke the power that the evil one held because he held us all in, in captivity to death, the Bible says. But through his death and his resurrection, Jesus has robbed the evil one of his power, robbed him of his dominion, robbed him of his territory. He is no longer the one who has all authority over over the earth and over people. Jesus now is the one who holds the keys to death and Hades, the power of death and life in his hands. He's broken the power of the grave. He's broken the power of death and he's walked out of the tomb. An entirely new future walked out with Jesus that day. This was the beginning of God's new creation on earth. And so the resurrection of Lazarus points us towards that greater resurrection of Jesus that was coming down the track. And this then has huge implications for our lives because just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we are raised to new life in Him. The Bible says Jesus was raised for our justification. That is that that when we place our faith in Jesus, we become joined to him and, and we are raised up spiritually to new life in Christ. So the story of Lazarus, in a way, is a story of us all. Who have become followers of Jesus. It represents our journey that, that we were all like Lazarus. We were all in the tomb. We were all dead. Uh, Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. That's where we were. That's where each of us were. But out of the incredible bounty of God's grace, Jesus has come along and he has raised us from the dead. So, like Lazarus, we can walk out of the tomb. And that's what happens every time someone becomes a Christian. It's not just this kind of awakening. It's not just like joining a movement. It's not just a new sort of part of life that that we enter into a new phase of life or join some kind of club. This is nothing less than going from death to life. That's what happens when you become a follower of Jesus. You go from the tomb to new life in this place of freedom and forgiveness and, and peace with God. I love the way that this is captured in the words of a song that we sing at Shaw sometimes called Glorious Day. And it just gives us that image of going from death to life. Let me read you a couple of the words. It says, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name. Then I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day. So there's a great picture of the transformation that happens in this life. This is not talking about life after death yet. In this life, whenever a single person comes into a relationship with Jesus, they run out of the grave 
we run into the arms of Jesus. That is our story. That is your story. That is something to celebrate. So Lazarus is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus. And he's a picture of our spiritual resurrection when we become a Christian. But there's even more to this story. Lazarus also points us forward to something that hasn't happened yet. When you think about it, in this story, Lazarus was raised from the dead and he lived again, but then he died. Like eventually, we don't know how long he lived for, but after a while, he eventually did die and he's still dead today. And that's fundamentally different to Jesus. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't die again. But he is the risen Lord. He's still alive today. He's in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. And he is reigning and ruling until one day he returns. And then he is going to bring about the final resurrection. That is the day that Martha was talking about when she she says Lazarus is going to be raised on the last day. She, She was right about that in a sense, that there is going to be this final day. When Jesus comes back and all those who are united to Jesus, we're going to be raised to new life, both the living and those who have already passed away. We're going to receive these new resurrection bodies. They'll still be the body that you have now. There'll be continuity with that, but also a radical discontinuity because your body will be restored. It will be perfected. It will be totally redeemed and suited to the new heavens and the new earth. It'll be a body that doesn't decay. It'll be a body that never wears out. It'll be a body that never slows down. It'll be a body that never gets sick. It will be a body that never gets cancer. It will be a body that never even gets tired. And it will certainly be a body that never dies. Because the greatest thing that is going to happen in this new resurrection that Jesus brings about is that death itself is going to die. Death in the present has been defeated. It was already defeated at the cross. But On that day, when Jesus returns again, death is going to be destroyed. It will finally be fully and completely done away with. It still takes people from us in the present. All of our lives are finite in the present. We are mortal creatures. But one day, mortality will give way to immortality. One day, the Bible says, the perishable, this life, our bodies, will give way to the imperishable. And death itself is going to die. It's an amazing thought that we will witness the death of death. And death will not be a reality in the new creation ever again. No more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. The old order of things is completely done away with and all things are made new. That is the essence of the hope we have as Christians, the certainty that we have of the future that awaits us. We know that's where history is heading. We know that's where our lives are heading. We know that that Andy is going to be raised up again and given that glorious new resurrection body on that day. We know that all those who belong to Jesus will join him on that day and will be raised up and given those new bodies and we will share together with one another and with God on and on and on in that eternal future. That hope should stir our hearts. It should excite our souls. And it should comfort us in the midst of tough times that we go through in the present, especially when we lose people that we are close to. That's resurrection, and that's the future hope that we have. And so as we come to finish this message, let me just bring us back to those words in verse 25, that amazing declaration that Jesus makes. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this?
And I love the way Jesus put a question at the end there. It was a question to Martha. It's a question to us. Do you believe this? Do we truly believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? He's the one who raises us to new life in the present. He's the one who will give us literally new resurrection bodies in the new creation. And again, that doesn't mean we don't grieve in the present. We do. Death hurts. Death still has that sting in it in the present. And it, it robs us of people that we love. And, and we look to Jesus as the example of someone who wept and grieved and groaned over the anguish of death. And we have total freedom to do that. It's good and it's right that we feel that pain and we grieve over death. But as, as followers of Jesus... We grieve in a different way. We don't grieve as those without any hope, but we grieve in hope. And we can say goodbye in hope because we know that this is not the end. We know that death doesn't have the final word. We know that this life is not the final word, but there is an incredible eternal future that awaits us because we belong to Jesus. And so I pray that this story can encourage your heart I pray that you could just anchor your life again in Jesus. Be reminded that he is the resurrection and the life, the one who's overcome the grave. Celebrate that rising that he's given you in your own life, rising from death to life, and let him stir you with fresh hope for the resurrection that is yet to come. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you and we worship you as the resurrection and the life. Thank you. That's who you've declared yourself to be. And we just want to allow the hope of those words to sink into our hearts and lives today. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for those who are grieving. We want to lift up the Spear family to you and pray for them in their loss and in their grief. And I pray that the, the hope of your words, Jesus, would be an anchor for their soul in the midst of the loss and the pain that they feel. Surround them with your love. Carry them in your arms of, of grace. Lord, we pray for those who have friends, who have family, who are close to death. And we want to pray for them, Lord, as they journey with those loved ones. Lord, would you be especially near to them? Would you comfort them? Your word says you're the God of all comfort, and you comfort us so that we can encourage and comfort others. We want to pray for your presence around those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death these days. And Jesus, in the midst of a world that is so full of death and sickness and pain, we look up, and we look to you as the resurrection and the life. And we thank you, Jesus, that you hold all life in our hands, the power of life and death. And we thank you that nothing in this life and nothing in death can ever separate us from your love for us. It is firm and it is secure and we are safe in your arms. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and the incredible future that you're preparing for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.